write down the three things that you absolutely love doing mm. in your life in that area and what you you feel that you're not so bad at right so you got your the area the values and the tasks that you go yep they're the things that I think I bring to this that's where my worth is so that's like a, a primer okay you can start to do that you might also then think okay um where is there another area of my life what I where I'm where I do feel that I'm expert but I'm not acknowledging it or it's not being acknowledged by someone else so you can have a, a hidden area where you're downplaying the thing start to appreciate appreciate that about yourself and say actually you know that that specific task that I do that I'm downplaying gives value to my life and other people's lives everyone. My name is Alexa. I am the host of Alexa's Hour, a place where we openly collaborate about self-help, growth, and development in a more practical and helpful way. And so the goal of starting this podcast was really to, number one, help myself. But ironically, the goal has shifted because I realize as I dive deeper into these topics and create an outlet for myself, I am creating an outlet for other people that I know might be struggling with similar things as myself and have similar questions to myself. And so the goal here is really to even just help one person dive a little bit deeper into their consciousness and go within and really see what do they need to work on. And maybe there's an area that you're struggling with that I am as well. And so if I can help just one person do that and dive a little bit deeper and find these underlying issues that can easily be resolved, maybe not easily, but can tangibly be resolved, then my goal is accomplished. And so I get to really talk with some experts in their field, which I am extremely grateful for that they take the time out of their day to educate me and educate this audience that I'm building. And so having a lot of fun with this. And so thank you to everyone that is tuning in so far. And this is honestly just the beginning. I have so many dreams and hopes and goals for this podcast of the people I'd like to have on and the audience I'd like to grow and the community I'd like to grow as well. So thank you so much to everyone that is here already. I honestly cherish each and every one of you that tune in and give me suggestions and all of those things. It's just absolutely very helpful to me and very encouraging too. So know that I really appreciate that. And so one of the experts I get to talk with today, Sam, is an expert in imposter syndrome. And so I'm extremely excited for this episode because that is something I'm not only struggling with right now, but I've struggled with in the past. And so I'm sure each of us have struggled with this at one point or another, at least once in our lives. And so I'm very excited for you to hear this conversation with Sam. And I hope that you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed recording it. Sam, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here. Hi, Alexa. It's absolutely, uh, it's a pleasure, such a pleasure to be talking with somebody from Orange County and, and <laughs> California, a place that is near and dear to my heart. Oh, thank you. It's it's a pleasure to have you here too. I'm really grateful for this and to have someone from Australia here. You know, that's on my list of places I want to go to. So well, come on down anytime. Me. Yeah, come down under. <laughs> yeah, it's only a 15 hour flight. Only 15 hours. That's Only fine. 15. But you did enlighten me that I can get there in one shot, which I didn't know. So now I'm yeah. more enticed. <laughs> yep. So I'm really excited for this because I've already introduced everyone to you and let them know that you're 
expert in this field, but imposter syndrome is something that we, I think, have all struggled with at one point at least. And so let's just start with what is it in a really good def definition? Because I think we sometimes struggle with pointing to what it is exactly, what that feeling is exactly. So let's just start with with that. Yeah, so the the research definition or the dictionary definition is that imposter syndrome is a psychological state of self-doubt and that it is usually around someone's intelligence or skill level or the position that they hold in life, usually in their career. But it can also be the position that they hold within a relationship or within the family. So it can have um, context within other worlds, but generally it's the career or a business that a person feels like they are not competent despite evidence of ongoing competence and despite mm. evidence of ongoing success. So a person who has got a track record of, of actually coming through with the goods and having praise and recognition from other people still cannot internalize that success and say, that was me. Mm. They've got this niggling doubt of, uh, those people are just being nice, or I got into this position through luck, mm -hmm. or they might may downplay it and say, oh, anybody could do this. Or um, they might think that somebody made an error, say on some, you know, application that you say you applied for university or you applied for a job and somebody gave you the position, you think oh, somebody must have made a, an error on the paperwork. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. there's a lot of downplaying going on because you feel like a phony. You feel like, how could I possibly be in this position? Why did they choose me? Even though you've got the, the track record. And mm -hmm. it usually comes with a fear that people are going to expose you for that fake, that fraud, that phony, or an imposter. And say, we know that you've been faking your intelligence, your skills. And so imposter syndrome is a kind of self-delusion and that you you cannot see reality for what it is and there's a lot of mental looping going on self-criticism and yeah that can cause us to beat ourselves up and to procrastinate in life and hesitate and not go for the leadership roles that we know we could probably do or to go for uh, opportunities that others are actually encouraging us to go after so imposter syndrome is, um, yeah, it's self-doubt despite evidence of ongoing success. So it's, so you're saying it's never rational, basically. It is, it is not rational. Um, if we unpeel the onion skin, you can see that it is rational mm -hmm. for the person who's experiencing it. Like they've made it make make sense for them but mm -hmm. for everybody else they're like are you kidding like you're, you're not an imposter like if you mm -hmm. actually admitted it to someone they would be like are you kidding go for the job or you know go for the position or you're actually someone who brings an incredible amount of value what are you talking about so i had the same experience when i went to some people mentors and said listen i'm going through imposter syndrome and i've had the same when people came to me and said they're going through imposter syndrome and you talk about your experience and your knowledge and your skill and what you've achieved and people go how could you possibly be saying that or thinking that about yourself mm -hmm. yet we do right mm -hmm. there's still plenty of people who 
do not feel like they have earned their position or earned their intelligence or their skill. And on some level, they've minimized their own value. Mm-hmm. And as a result, their self-worth goes down. So do we ever, <laughs> it makes me question if we, if improving on our skill set or our knowledge or doing any of that helps remove, because I think we all have this idea that, okay, let's say we're in a certain job and we feel like, well, I'm new to this and I still feel like an imposter. With time, does that go away? Or is it just a deeper, a deeper self-worth issue that is the root? And if that's not ripped out, then it doesn't go away. Yeah. I tried to desensitize imposter syndrome by joining a public speaking club. <laughs> I thought, what's the most scariest thing I could do uh-huh. to overcome my vulnerabilities? Public speaking. And so I joined a group and I went for two years almost every week. And getting wow. up getting up in front of people is scary, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I thought if I could overcome this feeling of being vulnerable while speaking in front of people, then maybe the imposter syndrome stuff would go away as well. Mm-hmm. didn't quite work mm-hmm. got close like you can you can fake things till you make things right fake mm-hmm. till you make it mm-hmm. but I found that well I, I really wanted to find that authentic feeling of owning my expertise and owning my uh my skills and and saying yeah I'm I'm actually a person of great value mm-hmm. and what I found was that uh it's entirely about your value system. Hmm. So we, when we have imposter syndrome, we compare ourselves to other people and we say, those people are more intelligent than me. They have more skills than me. I'm out of my depth. Um, and everybody else around me is, is much, much more authentic than I am. Mm-hmm. So there's a comparing to other people going on, massive mm-hmm. comparisons. And that is a perception Um, that is based off valuing that person's values or thinking that that person's Mm -hmm. values are the values that you should be living up to, not Mm -hmm. your own. Mm. And so we downplay what we truly feel is valuable. Okay. And Mm -hmm. as a result, we try to be someone we're not. We try to live up to somebody else's value system and think, if I could just be like that person, then... I'll have the confidence, the self-worth that I would like to have. Mm-hmm. But that's never going to happen because you're trying to live up to somebody else's value system, what they hold important, what they hold as a priority. So the solution is to clarify your highest values and orchestrate your life around them. Mm. When I talk to uh, my mentor, Dr. John Martini who I feel is uh, one of the greatest leaders in human behavior Mm -hmm. on the planet right now. And he's from uh, Houston. Hmm. He said, a person who is living out of alignment with their values is an imposter. And the person who is living in alignment with their values is authentic. Hmm. I'll say it one more time because it's really nice Mm -hmm. to chew on. A person who is Mm -hmm. living out of alignment with their values is an imposter. And the person who is living in alignment with their highest values is authentic. Mm -hmm. That, so it brings up that 
there is something deeper within all this. It has nothing to do with you not actually having the skills to do this job or be this person or whatever it is. There is a part of your life that feels unaligned and it's translating maybe into what you're doing for work or something like that. And you feel like that's the issue. Yeah. And how do we, so how do we start to, hmm, how do we start to uncover what those values are for ourselves? Do we just take the time to sit and really think about what's important to me and how do I get that to reflect in yeah, the well, physical the, areas? The good news is you can look at the facts of your life. The facts mm -hmm. don't lie when it comes to your values. You're, you're already displaying and demonstrating what you truly value. Mm. The thing is that some people don't pay attention to it or they discount it or they downplay the very things that they value and say, ah, oh, that's just something I do mm -hmm. because they are infatuated with the value systems of someone else. They downplay their own and just say, well, that's, that's easy. Anyone can do that. Mm -hmm. So if you want to know your highest value, look how you spend your time, how you fill your space, the things you like to converse about, um, the things you spend your money on, the people you hang out with, and you will start to see themes and hints of your highest value. Then comes the, the refining process of going, well, what specific tasks, what specific um, concepts really inspire me? You can also ask yourself, where am I most organized and disciplined in my life? Mm. Where do I don't, where, where in my life don't I need reminding to do a certain task? Mm. Whatever that is, is probably one of your top five values. Huh. Like for like both of us, we love reading, right? Mm -hmm. No one has to tell us to read. Mm -hmm. Don't need to set a reminder. We love doing it. Mm -hmm. So reading and knowledge, that's a value. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that could be another one. Um, for me, it's education, teaching and learning. Mm -hmm. So no one has to remind me to uh, create, you know, lessons for people or videos. I love doing it. Mm -hmm. It's like it inspires me. Mm -hmm. And I used to not value that. I used to think, oh, you know, anyone can do this. And so I didn't do it as much. Mm -hmm. And now that I realized that, well, actually, that's who I really am. That's my identity. Yeah. I'm an educator. Then your my whole being came alive and mm. I I became aligned with my mm -hmm. values and imposter mm -hmm. syndrome completely dissolved mm -hmm. like overnight. Wow. So and I it's highly because... recommend to people to articulate the top one, two, or three values in their life and then start aligning your life towards them. And you'll find that you can make mistakes, you can slip up, but because you are on purpose and you are on you are in alignment with your values, it's like you go, well, you know, that's just part of being me. Yeah. So it's, a, it's yeah. actually a, a beautiful, realistic kind of self-worth. Mm -hmm. And it removes the pressure. It removes all that pressure. I think this is a hard thing for us to do or a lot of people to do because the first thing I was thinking as you were saying that is, well, then we'd all start doing, choosing careers that feel aligned with ourselves or like 
someone wanting to leave corporate America that feels like they're just meant to be a painter, maybe that's a difficult decision because of that fear of judgment and fear of not going to make money or whatever it may be. But I could see how imposter syndrome could be deep in there, but it's so, I mean, even giving my own example, like I don't need to be reminded to come and sit down and have these conversations or to book time to meet new people. Like this is what feeds my soul. And so I'm trying now to navigate my entire life around how do I be able to make this my full-time thing? Because it's also not realistic to think like, well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know. I'm a, I try to be a realist in that I don't think I can come off the jump just pursuing my passion and having it be able to meet all my needs. And so I guess trying to facilitate my life around getting out of doing what I'm currently doing, which is trying to <laughs> spend all my energy making enough means to fund something like this so that I have the time to do this and make this full. Um, but in a way too, I feel like I'm holding myself back because I also know I'm not fully pursuing it. So I don't know if anything I just made sense, but it feels like I'm kind of running a rat race where it's like, I know this is what I want to do and it would just feed me. So do I say screw it to everything else and just really go balls to the wall on this? Or do I try to like halfway do it and just push it at a slower pace? And the problem there is I'm still feeling a lot of imposter syndrome because what I do on a daily basis, which is sales, does not feel aligned with me but it's the means to an end at this point. And it makes, it makes me yeah. that living that I need. <laughs> well, it's interesting you say sales and yet on the other hand, you say you love sitting down and doing these podcasts mm -hmm. in a way you are selling ideas. You're selling conversations. It's mm -hmm. no different. So you're actually not uh, avoiding your value. You're actually just expressing it in another form. And so nothing is ever yeah. missing in our life. We're actually expressing our values all the time. We just don't recognize. So mm -hmm. you're going, oh, that's a job, you know, it's sales. I don't really like it. I'd rather be doing this other thing over here. But mm -hmm. it's the same energy. Really, mm -hmm. you're, you're a, a, a sale or a transaction is an exchange mm -hmm. of value, a fair mm -hmm. exchange of value. Mm -hmm. So in this right now, you were having a conversation. We're exchanging value, but you're also exchanging that to people who are mm -hmm. listening. You're, they're exchanging their time mm -hmm. for your knowledge in this conversation. So that's mm -hmm. selling. Yeah. So there's 100%. no different. Mm -hmm. And when once you can articulate your value, you start getting creative about how to make your uh, love list come true. And so if you want to do podcasting and this and get paid for it, it's entirely possible. Once you start articulating your value, you go, well, what can I be doing to make it happen? Mm -hmm. And how much does it mean to me? Exhaust all possibilities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, it's entirely possible to do what you love and be paid handsomely for it. And I'm living proof of that. Yeah. That I started such... years. I started years ago as a uh, doing uh, school teaching. Mm -hmm. I also had put my hand into uh, entertainment, 
and then DJing and everything I did, I thought, well, how can I get paid for the thing that I love to do? Mm -hmm. And it's entirely possible if you get creative mm -hmm. and somebody out there is already doing it. So it's possible. Mm -hmm. 100%. That's such an interesting perspective shift that you just gave me because that's my, I have a, a coach for sales and it's, that's always my feedback too. Like this is an exchange of energy an exchange of emotion, whatever you do in life, you're always selling yourself. And I guess the question it brings up for me is, do you think we ever entertain our passions or pursue our passions once we feel like we're worthy to do that? Or we sometimes chase it to feel worthy too, don't we? Like, is there yeah. a balance I, there? I, yeah, I can tell you that um, when I started uh, my first small business as a professional human beatboxer, Mm -hmm. which I'll, I'll definitely give some samples in a minute. Yes. So I wanted to be a professional human beatboxer because I had this talent of making drum beats with my voice, right? And everyone's saying, go and do it, go and do it, do a workshop. I'm like, I'm scared. I'm, I'm worried that I'm not good enough. And people will laugh at me and ridicule me for making noises out of my mouth. And then the self-worth came up of like, how can I charge people to make noises out of my mouth, my mouth right? It's like, mm -hmm. are you kidding? That's no, it's not going to fly, it turns out. <laughs> people will pay for it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I thought I'll just do one and see what happens. And, you know, I'm, I'm calling people and making sales calls to school principals and my hands shaking and I'm stuttering. And it's like, I don't ever stutter. But as soon as I, I went into, do you want to book me? And do mm -hmm. you actually want to pay me money for this thing that I've created? That's when I started to, you know, be unsure of myself and that's when I became aware, well, that's because I'm subordinating to the value system of parents, society, teachers that says you need to get a proper job. Mm -hmm. And that I had this belief that if you wanted to be an artist or an entertainer and get paid for it, that was not valuable. And that, that was just a perception that I had somehow attached mm -hmm in my mind. And then I thought, okay, how can I heal my self-worth wound as I call it? And I think everyone has a self-worth wound around one very specific thing. Mine was around money and friends. If I don't have enough money or enough friends, no, sorry. It goes like this. When I have enough money and when I have enough friends, then I'll have self-worth, mm -hmm. but that's a bottomless pit. Mm -hmm. No amount of money and no amount of friends equals the self-worth I'm looking for. And so people listening to this, whatever your self-worth wound is, whatever you trip up on, whatever trips you up over and over, you'll never get self-worth if you chase the thing that you think you need. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The way that you do it is you find your highest value and you start articulating a life, orchestrating a life around that and say, I'm going to do this because I love it because I love it, because I love it. And that energy changes the way you see the world. Mm. Wow. That, I feel like that just removed like a blockage almost in my brain that I've been having of, I've just been so uh, unresonated, if that's a word, this whole week. It is now. 
It is a workout. <laughs> I've been, I have not felt like I've resonated with anything this week. And that just stuck with me because I think we overcomplicate this so much. And we're like, well, how do I figure out what I want to do? How do I figure out what my passion is? I don't know what I want to do. I think we all know what we want to do. I think we all know what we, we all know what we love to do because we know what we don't like to do. Yeah. And so if we can just follow that, but actually follow it, I think the hardest part is just removing the fear of the judgment of, of others and the societal expectations. And that's where, like you said, that's where that self-worth comes in. But interestingly enough, what you're saying is if we just follow what we find valuable, the self-worth just comes as a result of that. Yeah, if you say my value is X, like some people might say my value is family and children. I want to raise a family. Great. If someone says my value is I want to start a business, my top value is I want to travel or I want to uh, be creative in some way. If you can articulate that, of course, you need to refine it over time until you can just nail it and go, that's it. Then once you know that, it not only gives you creative ideas, but it grounds you and it makes you realistic. You go, all right, fine. I value this. I still got to pay the bills. Okay. I can't just jump from my job and go off and try and mm -hmm. make money from my, my passion. Mm -hmm. The kind of self-worth I'm talking about is one that is grounded in reality, but also has the mind in heaven, in the stars. Mm -hmm. So you are always thinking what's my vision, what's my dream, which is a sort of heaven-based things up in the sky. That's mm -hmm. where you're looking. Mm -hmm. And it also keeps your feet on the ground. You say, okay, fine. What have I got to do to start moving towards that? Mm. And so self-worth really encapsulates this idea of what daily tasks can you be doing to fulfill your highest value today and tomorrow and the next day? And that raises self-worth if you can do little tasks that you know are helping you to fulfill your highest value self-worth will go up hmm. and then also because you're keeping the promises to yourself so then you build up that self-confidence within there because you actually did what you said you were going to do yes and many people set too many goals for one day and mm -hmm. then they beat themselves up unnecessarily for not completing them mm -hmm. and as a result they procrastinate the next day but if you just choose like one or two achievable tasks mm -hmm. at the beginning of the day think what would make me feel like i'd fulfilled my highest value today mm. and then you go about doing that you surprise yourself you'll think oh my gosh i got that completed by lunchtime mm -hmm. and then it will actually inspire you to do more mm -hmm. and so it's self-worth will get you into a kind of track a kind of groove a kind of rhythm and that generates self-empowerment and it also expands your executive function development mm -hmm. or your skills of um, planning, strate uh, being strategic and managing your emotions as well. Hmm. Do you think that's how we get ourselves to stop feeling like we're not doing enough by just lowering our, ex our daily expectations of ourselves? Absolutely not lowering the expectations, being realistic, being mm. objective, 
about what you can achieve that will fulfill your highest value. Okay. One or two achievable goals that you could do, like chip away at it, that's going to, mm -hmm. that you can say with absolute certainty that is going to move you towards your longer term a long range vision. Mm. Now, mm -hmm. once you tap into your highest values and your self-worth, you start to say, now I've got a mission. Now I'm tapping into my vision. Now that also could be said a cause, like you have a, a mission and a cause in life, something you are passionate about. Do it doesn't necessarily have to be achieved in your lifetime. You go to the next level, you go, I want to contribute to this mission, to this vision, this mm -hmm. cause. And then maybe it will continue on after I'm long gone. That's leaving a legacy. Now you have this different feeling about who you are and what you do. It's not just about you anymore. Mm -hmm. Now it starts to become about building a community and, and leaving something of worth behind. Mm -hmm. That again, gives you more worth. Mm -hmm. And I, I think we all subconsciously feel that way too. I, I don't think people realize that we all want to feel like we've left something behind. And I think we do that maybe with children sometimes, or we do that with the type of, some of us are very career oriented and want to leave a legacy in that way. But it doesn't seem like anyone, whether they consciously admit it or not, it's like we're not fulfilled if we don't feel like we are leaving this place a little bit better than when we got here. And I know some people might not feel like that's their driving force, but it's not a coincidence that people that have branched into certain pockets of wealth with little to no effort, maybe, like maybe they're just born into that, have very high depression rates. I don't think that's a coincidence. So mean, finding meaning is mm -hmm. one of the most... Um, important things if you can find meaning in what you do it will give you that lift it will bring you to life mm -hmm. and a perfect example is from the book called man's search for meaning by victor mm -hmm. frankel who mm -hmm. was a prisoner in nazi germany in the concentration camp called Auschwitz, mm -hmm. and he survived it and he's a psychiatrist who then went on to give lectures about um logotherapy which is therapy to help a person find meaning in their life even though the circumstances are horrible hmm. and i think if you're in a concentration camp and you can still find meaning in what you're doing that's that's a hell of a testament right mm -hmm. so if you're listening think of your own personal hell that you might be in right now where can you find meaning that will get you through mm -hmm. and many people throughout history have done that and so the, Victor Frankl says there's two things you can be dedicated to to create meaning. Number one is some other individual other than yourself. Could be partner, friends, a student, whatever. Some other individual. The second thing that can give you meaning is a higher cause. So in terms of Victor Frankl, he was like, when I get out of here, I'm going to make sure this doesn't happen again. And I'm going to teach people about logotherapy. So that gave him the necessary resilience. Wow. Even though the people all around him were being killed. 
Now, mm -hmm. if a guy like that can do that, we can certainly do it. We can mm -hmm. certainly find meaning to lift up, lift, lift us out of our personal hell or our circumstances. Mm -hmm. I think it's a, a beautiful thing to try and find meaning that lifts you. Yeah. Wow. I think that's beautiful. And it, what's even more amazing about that too, is that you get to find what your meaning is. It, you get to define it because if you, I'm under the, the, it's not a morbid way to look at it in my opinion, but I'm under the view that nothing actually has concrete inherent meaning. So that gives you the freedom to choose what is meaningful to you because, and, and this really stems from whatever your belief system is and how you think life works. But if you come at life from the perspective that nothing is inherently bad or good, and it, there is no meaning within that, you can allow yourself the freedom to say, this is what I want. Maybe it doesn't have to be just one thing, but maybe these are the three things in my lifetime that are meaningful to me personally. The other things are not meaningful to me. And so then you can focus that energy just on those things. I feel like that creates a lot of grounding too, because there's mm -hmm. so many places that can be meaningful to you. And that's where I have found myself lost too, of like, well, that's meaningful to me. That's meaningful. That's meaningful. And I think if you can kind of prioritize, like view it as like a bar that's filling up to hundred percent, like how much of what is, how much is taking up all those things? Cause you can't, I used to be under the view too, that you can have something that's, this is a hundred percent meaningful to me. And this is also a hundred percent meaningful. Our brains and our, we just don't have the capacity for that. Unfortunately, like that would be great. And mm. I guess there are those anomalies where there are people who do several things to the absolute maximum, but realistically speaking, you're probably going to have maybe one or two things that you're able to do very, very well because of all your energy being devoted there. So I think coming from that angle also gives a lot of, a lot of freedom too in that. Yeah. Also uh, delegating tasks to other people frees mm -hmm. up your time to pursue your passion, your vision even more mm -hmm. and delegating tasks that are not as high on your priority list and giving it to people who are inspired by those specific tasks. You'll be surprised. You think, okay, I don't want to do sales calls or I don't want to do admin work. There are people in the world who geek out on that stuff mm -hmm. and they love it. Like yeah. it's their highest value. So find those people, delegate the work to them, seed the economy, you know, start a job, you know, give someone else employment. So mm -hmm. it frees up your time to pursue what is most important to you and I think that that is a formula for raising consciousness and quality of life on the planet. Mm -hmm. So you, you find your priorities, you do what you do well, really specialized and delegate the rest. Mm -hmm. And part of that too is, is honoring yourself because you're harboring that energy. That's, that's most important to have so that you can do it well, but I forgot who I was listening to talk about this, but they were explaining how, or he was explaining how he has his business. And when I delegate something, it feels irresponsible because then when I come to the end goal, it feels like I didn't actually do anything. I just delegated a bunch of things, but that 
is what you were part of that you delegated. So that's what made it happen. And also you can give yourself the credit that you found the right people to do that task as good as you, if not better than you, because that's, that's also a skill to have. Yeah. If you're delegating the right task to the right person and they are happy by it, that's a fair exchange. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's nothing being owed. You're not taking credit, not taking blame. It's even, and mm -hmm. that's fair. Mm -hmm. So I want to give, let's, let's give everyone kind of a, I don't want to say rule book, but a structure. Okay. For list, whoever's listening right now, if you're feeling overwhelmed by your options and you feel like you are not aligned with what you're doing right now, or maybe you, you feel like this is what you should be doing, but something doesn't feel right. And maybe it has nothing to do with what you're doing in your job. I don't want this. I feel like people always associate imposter syndrome with the job that they have. Let's just apply it to your life in general. How do we start to dive deeper into what that is, like what area is feeling unaligned and then discovering how do we kind of rip that out from the roots and then start to live a life of alignment with, with our own, with while building that self-worth. So this is kind of like three steps that yeah, so I would like to give them that. Think of seven areas of life to like pinpoint the area. So spiritual, financial, physical. So that could be your physical body, physical health, physical space, uh, social. You also have vocational, which is your business or career. Mental, so any knowledge you have. And also um, what's the life? familial, so family. Okay, so those are the seven areas of life there's just it's just one model to help people go okay which area do i feel an imposter in where's the mm -hmm. number one area where i'm like that that's where i trip up so let's say it is um a relationships so it could be somewhere if maybe you're in a uh, partnership maybe you got a boyfriend girlfriend and you don't feel worthy of that partner okay so that's one way you could do maybe, um, I mean, career is obvious. You might not feel you're in that career, you know, because of your skill. So you choose the area that you feel is, that's where I have imposter syndrome. The next thing, get a pencil or a pen and a paper, piece of paper and write down the three things that you absolutely love doing mm. in your life, in that area. And what you you feel that you're not so bad at, right? So you got your the area, the values, and the tasks that you go, yep, they're the things that I think I bring to this. That's where my worth is. So that's like a, a primer, okay? You can start to do that. You might also then think, okay, um, where is there another area of my life what I where I'm where I do feel that I'm expert? but I'm not acknowledging it or it's not being acknowledged by someone else. So you can have a, a hidden area where you're downplaying the thing. Start to appreciate, appreciate that about yourself. 
and say, actually, you know, that that specific task that I do, that I'm downplaying, gives value to my life and other people's lives. So that's some simple sort of questions you can reflect on. Where am I delivering value? Where am I demonstrating value for my own life and others? Mm. But I'm not acknowledging it. Just starting with that is going to make people realize, go, you know what? I bring value mm -hmm. just in an area that I was not fully appreciating. Mm -hmm. Imposter syndrome has a lot to do with loving and appreciating ourselves completely. And I believe that imposter syndrome is not a bad thing in the sense that it is feedback from life that's trying to bring you back into alignment with who you are. It's trying to bring you back to your center. Mm. It's trying to help you to appreciate your values rather than subordinate to somebody else's. So the aim, I feel, is to get to the point where you can say thank you to imposter syndrome. Thank you for reminding me what my highest value is and that I am a person of worth and that I have something to give to the world. So being mm -hmm. thankful to that part of yourself that you are not loving and not appreciating fully is the name of the game. Mm -hmm. Now, how you get to that is you look for the positives and the benefits that have come out of all of the moments when you have perceived yourself to be an imposter. And you'll find them if you look. Most people are only aware of the negatives. Oh, it makes me feel bad and I don't stand up for myself. I don't speak up for myself, et cetera, et cetera. Fine. They're the drawbacks. Yes, we're not discounting them. But now balance that from all bad and start looking for the positives. You go, okay, well, how has imposter syndrome benefited me? What have I been able to do? What have I been able to avoid? And you'll find that there will be benefits that have been of benefit to your highest values if you look and this is a law of nature it's in mathematics it's in physics it's in astrophysics there's a law called the law of the cosmological constant this is albert einstein check this mm -hmm. out so albert einstein's general theory of relativity says about the universe that there is never any more energy or any less energy in the entire universe, it stays the same, it just changes form. For example, a sun can be a big, bright, hot thing in the sky, and then that's in one form. Then it can explode and become space dust. It's still the same energy in a different form. Mm. And the same thing is in human psychology and in our everyday lives. So you might be seeing uh, your energy over here in one form and think, ah, that's that's nothing of, of value or that's, you know, people don't value that. But if you translate, you can transform that energy into another area. Hmm. Wow, I'm just processing what you just said. <laughs> nothing is ever missing. Yeah. And when we can love and appreciate the parts of ourselves that we think are missing, we'll feel whole hmm. and imposter syndrome dissolves. So it's all, it's everything is there all the time. <laughs> the, the, if you look for the positives mm -hmm. that have come out of the negatives, you will, you will find a balance. Mm -hmm. You'll actually change your brain chemistry. 
when we when we see uh, one moment in our life when we had imposter syndrome, we think, oh, that was a time when I screwed up and we beat ourselves up for it. And we can list all the negatives that have come out of it. Low confidence, low self-worth, verbal criticism to myself, uh, mental criticism to myself, all those things. Now start to go, okay, from that moment, what are the positives? How did it serve me? How did it serve others? Balance it. And that will give you a new perspective. It will change your brain chemistry from just being in the amygdala, which is the flight or fight response center. And it will send the blood and the glucose to the front of the brain, the executive center, where there's thousands and thousands more neurons, which equals more ways of seeing the world, more ways of interpreting your world. And so you can look back at negative emotions, uh, negative experiences and say, Ah, now I can see how it was a positive. And you start listing until they are 50-50. And you'll go, hmm, imposter syndrome is neither bad nor good. It just is the way it is. Mm. And the thing that I thought was missing was actually there all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you will have started to uh, listen to that inner voice. Or there's a beautiful saying that Dr. John Martini says, when the voice and the vision on the inside is louder than the opinions of those on the outside, you've mastered your life. Wow. Wow. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. That's so true. And so how about when I feel like a question that would come up is, well, okay, what about after, what about when I'm in the actual emotion, when I'm in the neg quote unquote negative, there's, I don't think any emotion is negative. It's just like, how we're labeling it in that moment. Yeah, so perceptions. We're, when we're in that unpleasant state, is the best way to view it as something that is going to, it, it's in the process of turning into a positive. I believe that it is possible, no matter the emotional state you're in, to balance by mm. you, by looking, going, okay, where are the positives? Where are the negative? Uh, where are the upsides? Where are the advantages? And that will start to change the brain chemistry. And of course, your breathing certainly helps if you can just do a couple of deep breaths just to calm the emotional centers a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then slowly but surely, how did it benefit you? Mm -hmm. And look into all areas of your life. Because people will say, oh, it's not benefiting me. It's like, well, look into every area of your life and you will find reasons. You'll go, yep, now I can see them. Now that can take time. And a lot of people like to hold on to their negative experiences because it gives them significance. Mm -hmm. And they are also afraid of loving themselves completely mm -hmm. because they don't feel that they deserve their own love. So they will resist looking for the positives. But if a person truly wants to balance their emotions they must first and foremost be willing to see things in a new way that's the only thing i ask my clients when they they start with me are you willing to see things your life yourself in a new way yes or no mm -hmm. if they're not it's going to be a lot of resistance if they're willing to look then it's it's going to be better for them <laughs> do you think there's um I almost feel like the the more 
effective time of life to do or the times of life to do that is when you're at your most vulnerable, when you're at your most in your most unpleasant state, actually, because you're just like, I need a change yeah. right now. Well, I'll give you an example. My clients will come to me and I'll, the first thing I ask is, what's the number one thing that's pushing your buttons about yourself or someone else? And like the number one thing that you dislike and hate about yourself, like that's the first question I ask people. And so I get to the the cause or the, the initial thing like really quickly and mm-hmm. they go, and you can see the change in their face when I'm talking with them on Zoom and they just go, yep, that's the thing that I do. I hate that about myself. I definitely don't love that about myself. So I mm-hmm. take them to the moment mm-hmm. when they've perceived themselves to be doing the thing that they think they screwed up on, they feel guilty about, where the judge, the self-judgment is, the shame Mm-hmm. bring that up and they'll go great now that we've got that go to specific moments when you have perceived yourself to be doing that thing mm-hmm. and so we recount you know handfuls of specific moments not vague very specific because specific language empowers you and vague language disempowers you mm-hmm. so the more specific the better right and that's holding yourself accountable because a lot of people like to be vague and go oh it happens all the time it's like mm-hmm. uh 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 Let's be specific here. And then you start to go, okay, from those moments when you perceived yourself to be doing the thing that you don't like and it's all bad, what are the positives? Mm. And go, come on, be willing to see things in a new way. And they Mm -hmm. start to list one or two. And eventually it might take 20 or 30 benefits for them to start to go, okay, now it's 60, 40, Mm. not, not zero 50. Mm -hmm. And before they're saying, oh, there's no benefits. And I'm saying, well, where is it on the scale? And Mm -hmm. I say, you're the one who has to uh, be the one who says yes here. Like, yes, I can definitely see the benefits. Mm -hmm. And eventually get to like 49.51, right? And I'm like, we're almost there. And I'm like, how else did it help you fulfill your highest values? And you help them articulate a causal link between all of the things that came out that were positive and then you say, can you see how this action that you've demonstrated has been of massive value to your life? And most people are in are starting to weep at this point. And that's when I say, have you said thank you? I love you to yourself for that yet. Mm. And that's when people have the breakthrough. And they're like, oh, my gosh, the thing that I've been judging myself on for years, often years, was actually unrecognized uh fulfillment of my highest value thank you i'm so glad i went through that i'll never want to change it and that is exceptionally transformational going through that process that's the demartini method Mm. which is what i'm trained to do wow that is beautiful and i can take about 45 to 90 minutes with some people and they just come away go i had no idea that such a profound shift in consciousness was possible in such a short amount of time. Hmm. It's powerful. The Martini method. Yeah. And I mean, I think we, but sometimes we need people like you to walk us through, to walk us through that. I, I, I believe we can do it for ourselves, but there's a reason that there's people like you doing it, that helping people walk through the experience. It's different. Yeah. I absolutely love it. 
That's mm-hmm. it's my mission. I've got my mission and my vision right here. I framed it. Oh, so I, I love know. this. So whenever I forget what I'm all about, I read this and mm-hmm. I go, that's my highest value. That's how I want to serve. It's mm-hmm. right there. And that way I'm I'm doing everything I can for myself to mm-hmm. fulfill my highest value and contribute to the greatest good as as well as I can. And mm-hmm. that that raises my self-worth and mm-hmm. reminds me of my worth. Mm-hmm. I love that. We need those visual reminders too sometimes because it's one thing to say it to yourself, but to visually, and this is why I love vision boards. I keep my vision board out and I see it every day, just like look at it and revisit it. But I like how yours is so specific. It makes me want to have like even narrow it down. You're making me want to narrow it down even more from like having a big board with like a million things on it, just narrow down on the actual value. Yeah. It's specific language empowers you. Mm -hmm. Vague language or vague imagery Mm -hmm. disempowers you. Mm -hmm. So be the the more crystal clear you are, the more empowering you'll be. Mm-hmm. I believe that wholeheartedly. I I believe that even with what you put out and what you what you're trying to pull in, if you can get very specific with what you want, and so if you're not, you're gonna get it in a very in a you're gonna get that thing that you were looking for, but it's not going to come in the way that you were expecting. So like make sure the universe is very literal. Make sure you you put it out there literally and specifically in no vagueness. Well, a goal is both the thing you want and the way to get there. Mm. Whereas most people have a goal. I want a million dollars, but they Mm -hmm. don't say how they're going to get there. Mm -hmm. So they might get the million dollars, but it might come from you know, someone close to you dying and you get the inheritance. So mm-hmm. is that the trade-off you want? Mm-hmm. Or you say, I want a million dollars and I'm prepared to work for the next five years every day doing a specific task to get mm-hmm. there. You go, now that's a realistic goal. Mm-hmm. And then it starts to put into play, well, do you really want that goal? Are you willing to actually turn up every day and do that? And you go, well, actually, that's not what I truly want to do. Mm-hmm. Hmm, maybe I don't want that goal. Mm-hmm. So the more specific are, specific you are, the more you hold yourself accountable to your highest value and go, is that what I really want? Mm-hmm. Do I really mean this? Mm-hmm. Does this truly inspire me? Mm-hmm. So it's a great, a great journey to go down and name your highest value and articulate your highest vision and, and mission. Yeah. Asking I see, yourself. I see it as, as spiritual work. It is. It is. And it should be fun though. It, it And it can be, I believe. Absolutely. That yeah. It, Once it you figure out what scary. you love doing, it's like, oh my gosh, it's my, my uh, vocation has become my vacation. Yeah. And now, and it just opens you up to the world. I mean, you, then you, you realize that this is your playground and what do you want to do now? I mean, they're really, it sounds so cliche, but they, there are no limitations. <laughs> there really aren't. So I think by doing what you're saying, that is like the the highest good you can do for yourself if you want to get closer to actualizing your vision of your life. Yeah. yeah. Simple things you can do. Just, mm-hmm. you know, I've been spending a bit of time at this, so I don't expect people to, you know, be where I'm at, like overnight. Mm-hmm. There is a saying, overnight success takes about 20 years, right? And 
I figure where I'm at now compared to where I was 20 years ago, I would have not have thought that what I'm doing now is possible. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm at this place where I am and I have a new goal and I'm like, okay, more realistic, but for the people who are listening, go slow and steady. Mm -hmm. Slow and steady is a really meaningful way to go. Like in mathematics, we talk about the mean. What's the mean number? Mm -hmm. Like the average just down the middle. Mm -hmm. And that's a balance between positive and negative. So it's Mm -hmm. appreciating both sides of any given situation and yourself. It's meaningful mm-hmm. to love both sides of yourself. Mm-hmm. It brings in like the shadow work aspect of it. But I think sometimes we don't realize what that means. It doesn't mean like sitting and tearing yourself up over things you're not happy with. It means it means loving that those parts, like you said, that you're not that happy with and seeing where the positive is through there. And genuinely, when you... I think if you just view yourself as a child, you are not, the, the. there's no separation within these selves, right? I think sometimes we talk about highest self and, and lower self, blah, 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 but it's like, it's all you. But I think if maybe you can sometimes create some separation and view those parts of yourself that maybe you're not loving as just the child version that's seeking something and envision that maybe it's your child or someone that you really care about, how would you speak to that child? Do that for yourself. And that is that is doing the shadow work. That is loving both those parts. That's a, a, a great, um, like, that's great work that came out of Dr. Carl Jung and mm-hmm. archetypes. Mm-hmm. I love his work. Really good mm-hmm. to analyze your dreams, to have active imagination with the child or with the shadow or with the the villain with the hero within yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's a great uh, resource for inner wisdom. I have an incredible story I could tell about that another time. But if we, we often say to, us, to everyone, oh, you just got to love yourself. But that's still vague. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, how do you specifically do that? The way you specifically love yourself is you find the, the thing, the very specific thing that you don't love. And mm-hmm. you go, how did it serve me? Mm-hmm. And you keep listing and listing and listing. And the criteria for it is balanced is a tier of gratitude. When you can say, I am so grateful for that thing that I used to dislike about myself. Then you know you're loving yourself. Because like, wow, I didn't see how it was serving me before. Mm-hmm. So you have to use a, a logical reasoning approach to this. It's not just mm-hmm. a a flimsy, oh, go love yourself. It's like, mm-hmm. well that doesn't work necessarily for everyone, but if you can Mm -hmm. specifically list those benefits, you're going to find that you'll be able to balance your emotions and your perceptions. Mm -hmm. 100%. It's loving yourself is too, I think it's become a little bit of a cliche term and we don't, we're not talking about what that actually means. And it looks a little bit different for everyone, but at the root it's, you have to love those parts that you are shying away from because it's part of you. It's not like some, you're not like a project that needs (laughs) removal of things. Yeah. You you don't need fixing. Mm -hmm. Nothing is missing. Like we said before with the cosmological constant, there's the same energy. You don't need fixing. There's nothing wrong with you. And if you know, Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey. Mm -hmm. So he studied 
mythology all around the world and he found that all myths have the same thing in common is that a an everyday person in the ordinary world hears the call to adventure crosses a comfort zone threshold and goes into a a brand new world where they have to reassess themselves and everything in it they find allies enemies they face their greatest fear the thing that could be the thing that you don't love about yourself and they have a transformation they they find their gift and so our greatest self-worth wound or our greatest fear actually hides our greatest treasure mm-hmm. so so go into uh-huh. that if you want to call it the darkness or your own inner forest mm-hmm. you know your own inner enchanted forest where there's boogeymen and ogres and vampires and stuff like that they're just parts of you that you haven't loved yet and you haven't brought light to so when you do you go i've now got all those guys and gals as allies because you can transform that stuff and go huh the thing that i was beating myself up for for years it was actually this energy form that could be transformed into love mm-hmm. and now that i've got it and i love that part of myself it gives you new life Oof so transformative it's great yeah and they're usually going to be tears of gratitude of like Mm -hmm. wow and it's i've done this now hundreds of um, at least 150 hours of client facing time Mm -hmm. they cry i cry (laughs) everybody cries it's fabulous and uh that's what i get to do so i'm incredibly grateful that I get to do this at this time in history. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's amazing. And please tell everyone where they can find you and connect with you. Yeah, you can go to selfworthsam.com. And uh, I have a free um, imposter syndrome video course that they can get. Just go to selfworthsam.com. Or if they want to book a free 15-minute phone call with me, to find out if they want to work with me or they want to ask some questions, they can go to the same website, uh, selfworthsam.com and just click it, book it. And there's plenty of things on YouTube and TikTok if you want to check out videos as well. Yeah. And I'll, Self- I'm going to include Self-worth Sam. I'm going to include all of Sam's stuff for everyone listening. I'm going to put it in the description too so you guys can easily check it out. But Sam, this was awesome. This is so great. Alexa, it's absolute pleasure. Yeah, this is great. You've left me with so much to chew on over the next few days, more than what, few what, days What's the biggest takeaway for you? My biggest takeaway is that the only reason I'm not feeling in full alignment with anything I'm doing is because there's a certain area that I'm not loving and that's showing up in other areas of my life. And I'm just labeling it as something else. And so it makes me want to sit with that part that I'm not acknowledging, but without a judgmental lens, which I usually do. So removing the judgmental lens and finding the silver lining of of how it's actually a positive. So that's a really, it's, I can feel it already kind of like rewiring the way I'm viewing certain things. And so I just kind of want to sit with it now. It makes me want to sit with it. 
usually it does yeah. it usually make people go oh my gosh uh what uh, i see the world in a new way <laughs> <laughs> exactly and i mean stuff comes up as time goes on like i'll have something else 10 years from now but it's the same tool in my toolbox that i can use yeah exactly to uncover that so that's amazing yeah well thank you so much this has really been a pleasure you're welcome. Love and wisdom to you and all your listeners. Thank you. And back to you. And thank you guys so much for watching this. Please check out all of Sam's information that I'll have below. And thank you guys for being here.